2: Boogie well, hates racism and Chris Paul, and who cannot get on board with that platform? If I've learned a lot, this I, I'm not going to say it, that sounds too no, good. No 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 no, 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 no.
1: the Bucks do win it all, Pat Connaughton's numbers should be in the rafters.
2: Hey there, welcome to the Eurostep Podcast Network uh, collab episode. I'm Rohan Cotti from the Eurostep. Joining me today is Jordan Tresky from the Win in Six podcast. Jordan, how are you doing? I'm doing well. <laughs> the Bucks won, but I'm doing well. <laughs> the Bucs did win. We are coming to you right after the Bucks win Game One against the Chicago Bulls, which is an outcome that we we expected. We expected that outcome. Yet somehow, both of us are still just sort of flabbergasted, flustered, whatever word you want to use after this Game One victory. It is a ninety-three to eighty-six final score, and as you could tell by that, it was just an absolute rock fight of a game. Uh, the Bucks came out strong; it was a strong first quarter, but the Bulls, the Bulls chipped away. The Bucks chipped away at themselves. The Bulls chipped away at themselves. They both chipped away at each other. Uh, I, I think that's just. I, I don't know. That's, that's sort of what happened here in this game, but the bull, the bucks, excuse me, did come out victorious. And before we get into it, make sure you're subscribed on your podcast platform of choice. We're going to be coming at you with pods after every single game this postseason. So make sure you subscribe. Jordan, what are your initial thoughts after this game? Um,
3: bucks playoff basketball. We're back. We are back. Um, Yeah, I was settling in easing in first quarter oh this is gravy this is kind of what we thought about when you listen to our uh series preview pod and kind of general bucks playoff preview pod we're looking at this series kind of being a cakewalk um and that might put it mildly <laughs> depending on how you view it um the first quarter was great uh the rest of it it, it there was some waves um Got a little rocky. We got we got stranded in low tides, high tides, whatever you want to call it. Um, but the end result was positive. A lot like a lot of games last year. <laughs> That's what it, the overwhelming feeling that I had. It was like, okay, these things, the you can't be mad at the outcome. You can't be mad with Giannis being Giannis, or you know, certain role players like Brooke and Bobby, uh, Drew. Really closing it late in the fourth quarter. The there's some big things to take away from. And there was, of course, a lot of like just befuddling things that just kept happening and kept happening and kept happening. And just felt like you know, eventually the Bucks are gonna win by default. But like it that doesn't you don't necessarily want to talk about a game that way. You want to be like, yeah, they came in there and just like they did it all themselves and just like manhandled the bulls. And it was like, no, the bulls are pretty respectable, even though they Shot the ball like crap, and the Bucks did too. And it's like, who <laughs> that I mean, that's not what you want to see from your first game, but um, that's that's what ended up happening.
2: Yeah, 34 21 after the first quarter, and the vibes were just immaculate during that first quarter. The Bucks get off to a 9 0 start, Giannis hits a pull up three, and then Bulls have to call a timeout. It's like, oh my goodness, the tweets were firing, the takes were flying. It was, it was a good time. Started to started to sort of descend from there. The Bulls actually managed <laughs> to score a basket, uh, which was impressive for them tonight, and uh, it just kept on going from there. I don't even know where do you where. Where should we start, Jordan? Should we let's start with Giannis? Let's start with Giannis. Yeah. So we don't get lost in that. Giannis was absolutely incredible tonight. He was head and shoulders the best player on the court by far. The only real problem he had was foul trouble. He struggled late. He ended with five. He picked up his fifth with around 10 or eight minutes left in, I think it was eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, yeah. which sort of uh, led to him not playing as much a little bit down the stretch, but just pure dominance. He ends this game as a plus 19 and that's in a, what was it? A six or well, can I do that? Seven point, uh, seven point victory. So just pure, pure dominance. For be honest, the bulls have no one to stop him immediately out of the gate. They just immediately showed doubles. As soon as he caught the ball, whether it be at the top of the key, whether it be in the post, he's, he is just immediately seeing bodies and forced to pass the ball, which, you know, is fine if you're a Bulls defense. But the problem is that Giannis is an insane playmaker as well. So he was finding his open teammates. The problems arose when the teammates started not hitting their shots as well. But uh, not to stray too far from Giannis. Giannis is just absolutely incredible. 27 points. 16 rebounds, 11 of which I believe were in the first half. Uh, only mm-hmm. three assists, and that's uh, that gets to what I mentioned <laughs> like a few sentences ago. Teammates sort of let him down a bit. Two blocks. I aforementioned five fouls, five turnovers as well. But uh, it was a strong showing from Giannis. Jordan, what do you think about
3: Giannis today? Great. Um, see, this is, okay, I feel like I'm probably going to echo what I've talked about in past pods or, you know, uh, you have to go nearly a year ago when we're kind of that was a great Yanis game but it also I I would maybe not say dominant in the fact that like I mean it, it kind of followed the game where it's like the Bucks anytime they had a lead they searched for every way to not have a lead anymore <laughs> whether it was committing these awful turnovers or Giannis kind of jacking up you know, early shots from three and just like, okay, like you're kind of finding your flow and rhythm and stuff like that. A lot of this ca- came down to, honestly, um, the Bucks looked like a team that hadn't played in a week. And then if you add on the fact that they didn't play any of the starters outside of Drew Holiday, immediately following Darius Garland to get a game incentive bonus. <laughs> like, these guys looked rusty. They looked, especially as the game wore on and just kind of the intricacies of um, their game. But back to the honest. Foul trouble was the only thing really stopping him Um, and even turnovers like his, his passing kind of followed the ways of like Chris and Drew occasionally where it's like kind of overthinking or just, you know, that misstep and, you know, execution or whatever the case may be. Bulls really like, I will give them this. Like I know their offense was terrible um, for 44 minutes out of the game. (laughs) um but their help defense really like bothered the bucks like they could not complete any pocket pocket pass um whatsoever it just it kind of felt like at a certain point they just kind of knew the little like knacks that the bucks have developed over the years that really you know can only be honed over time when you play with these guys for as much as you do and I think Giannis had come to that for sure. I thought he also was going to fall out on that over-the-back call, which was a little bit late. It was, that
2: was an over-the-back. It was an
3: over-the-back. It was over-the-back. Tony Brothers, I was like, oh, you're Tony Brothers, Zareen? And then he calls that call, and I'm just like, thank you, Tony. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm I was surprised like, Billy Donovan didn't challenge that. I did, I am surprised, too, because that there was a lot of those calls, too. Like You think about it, and you're just like, I think Bud had a, there was one on Giannis like in second quarter. I can't remember what the actual call was, but it was something like, oh, they're going to, I watched the Valley broadcast and they insinuated that Bud was going to challenge it. He didn't end up challenging it. I can't remember what it is that's bothering me right now. But like, that was not like up for debate. It was like, yeah, Giannis followed them. Yeah, you know I mean, like a lot of those like off the ball or non-shooting foul calls that you can like replay i'd be like it's not worth wasting a timeout if you get it right on the on the off chance you get it right whereas like billy donovan yeah like that's your last resort there was like two minutes left in the game if not less and that comes at a critical time like especially for a second year guy like patrick williams who has the unfortunate assignment of defending Giannis for large stretches of the game and cannot shoot the ball (laughs) well at all um yeah that was i thought that was Giannis. i thought what looked to be a hard job closing out the game was going to be made harder by Giannis while up, but tony brothers had other um ideas <laughs> it,
2: it was it was a tony brothers game for sure you yes. you could tell that tony brothers really wanted to make an impact on this basketball game early on it was Demar and the bulls just getting the ticky tack calls and then down the stretch it's like okay we're not calling anything we're yeah. just gonna, we're just gonna let this ride. He could have grabbed
3: if, a hammer and just like started like chasing DeMar DeRozan and tried to like he. there would they, they would have called nothing. And there was some there was some like object like oh DeMar just got whacked and it was like nope. DeMar
2: why did you get in the way of Brooke Lopez's hammer like why <laughs> did you get in the way? If anything, you're lucky I didn't call that an offensive foul, of DeMar. Exactly. <laughs> but but yeah, just a cap on Giannis. Uh, there was a run in the third quarter when the Bulls took a five-point lead and the tides are sort of turning. Giannis comes back into the game, immediately finds Drew Holiday for a layup, immediately scores on his own, and the Bucs take the lead back. And that sort of felt like a momentum shifter, uh, though the Bucs did give up the lead again in the fourth quarter. But in that moment, it was a, <laughs> it was a momentum shifter. Just Giannis and his presence in this game was just – it was felt, it was palpable what he was doing to the Bulls on the basketball court tonight. So I'm glad we started with him because, uh, yeah, if we want to talk about the rest, uh, should, we, should we should we, alternate? Where should we go from here? Should we talk Chris and Drew and get it out of the way? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So Chris Middleton, let's start with. Uh, 11 points, 4 of 13 shooting, 1 of 7 from 3. You got to the free throw line, made both his free throws, you know. 5 rebounds, respectable, 6 six assists nice uh seven turnovers uh one steal nice what 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 happened here (laughs) what what what, what's going on with our good pal chris middleton
3: jordan uh slow shooting start Um, that's one way to put it what yeah one way um you kind of thought he would eventually find it i can't remember who was really guarding him to start the game Because it wasn't Williams, it would probably would have been either Demar or it was Demar. Demar,
2: yeah.
3: And to, I mean, to his credit, I know he's not really viewed as a um, plus defender, but I thought Demar was kind of he made some solid reads and kind of bothered the Bucks in very small but key ways. Um, And obviously, you know, if you're limiting Chris to eleven points at thirteen shots and he's got seven turnovers to boot. Like he to me was like the ultimate bellwether of like, okay, the Bucks are going to get this sorted out or Chris is not going to figure it out and they're going to lose game one. That kind of thing. That's, you know, as we're kind of settling in, especially the second half, it's just like, Chris, you're almost there. And it's like, it's not there. It's, you know, he hit some big shots, like as the game wore on and kind of, you know, it's it's one of those like i did he <laughs> he i thought he hit maybe it was early i again this is a blur because i was like there's like some like oh that's chris and then they'll be like oh that's also chris you know the 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 jackal mr hyde kind of chris middleton that's chris and that's james <laughs> um <laughs> i just what stands
2: out to me like sure we we know what we're going to get with chris middleton in terms of shooting he's either going to be Kyle Kuzma—that's disrespectful to Kyle Kuzma. Uh, he's, he's, hes hes going to be Rashad Vaughn, or he's going to be prime Michael Jordan. And there's like no <laughs> there's in no between, inventory. no in between. Come playoff time, this—this uh, this was a Rashad Vaughn game. Sorry, Rashad, wherever you are.
3: But... I mean, I gotta say that if Rashad. Well, he's a—he's <laughs> a great human being, but Rashad Vaughn would be very lucky to have 11 points in a playoff game. That's an a... NBA playoff game. I know he's an MVP, and I believe the some European league. But yeah,
2: he was. Shout out to Rashad man. <laughs> but sure, we we know what we're gonna get in terms of shooting performances. It's the turnovers that really, really bothered me. It was just lazy passes. He had like I believe it was two, at least two turnovers where he tried to do like a like put some English on a baseline pass, yeah. and it just immediately went to the defender. And he kept on trying it. Like, nah, this is the time where it's going to work. No, it didn't work last time. But you don't know about this time. It didn't work again. He's like, nope, nope, nope. Last few times he got me? Okay, it's not going to work anymore. Uh, it's just, it was, felt sloppy. His game felt sloppy because there was a couple pocket passes that he missed. There was just a couple of weird shot attempts that he took as well. But just the turnovers are what killed me from his performance.
3: I thought of a clutch play that he had. Okay i specify play because it was not a shot the um outlet pass to zach levine that he weirdly kind of like i don't know what he was trying to do but he kind of tried to do like a little like showboat kind of layup and chris is like yeah i'm gonna try to draw a charge because you don't know what you're doing right now and then <laughs> That was probably the, the biggest like editor. Which was also play. a block,
2: by the way. That was definitely a block. Chris
3: was sliding. <laughs> oh yeah. It, it was not clean, but I mean we'll Tony take Brothers what we can get against Tony Brothers. <laughs> but no,
2: you're right. That was it was a good play. It was a good play attempt and it ended up yes. working. Uh, yeah, for the Bucks. But aside from that, it just felt like he didn't have the pace of the game down. It felt like he was trying to go multiple speeds at a time. He wasn't getting in rhythm and finding his shots. Like I mentioned, the sloppy play. Like, we we know what this, like, I'm not going to, don't, don't come at me and say, oh, Chris Middleton isn't good enough. We know he can, we know he can be good enough. We know that he's going to rebound from this. It's not like he's going to play like this all series or anything. He might come back next game and be in the prime MJ cycle. Who knows? It, likely. But uh, the, Chris has struggled against the Bulls this season. He has not shot well against the Bulls this season, but He just needs to keep taking the shots. And that's what I think he needs to do. He put up 13 shots today. That's fine. I just don't want him to become too passive. I want him to stay aggressive. That's what's most important to me.
3: Yeah, agreed. I I think, especially when, as you said, those pocket passes, the kind of things that like on a good night, it's like, okay, Chris is reading the game well. When he doesn't have it going well, it's like, okay, it looks lazy. or You're just kind of like, you're – turning it on when you don't have to turn it on or it's it's not coming to you as quickly as you thought it would like that's where it's like he synthesized all of kind of the frustrations and the struggles that the Bucks had in his own game if that makes sense and I think you know it's going to look better when he shoots the ball well but it's it just it's more of the general kind of you know the way you're leading the offense or there's a hit you know someone's you get a good a big stop and someone's running down the other end of the floor and you just don't have the right pass or you're putting too much english on the ball like you mentioned earlier like it just comes down to those little things that you know if if you're not playing the game for you know nine days or however long it was like it can kind of you have to kind of find it again and you know luckily the bucks avoided you know losing that game one bullet <laughs> or biting that game one bullet again but like it was just kind of like it just felt like everything that you can describe of like what um, the Bucks struggled in was kind of just you know epitomized by Chris Middleton. Yeah
2: you mentioned the rest you mentioned game one it's actually a miracle that the Bucks won this game considering they were on a rest they had a lot of rest it was a game one it was Tony Brothers I don't know how they <laughs> ended up winning this game it was like the it was the holy trinity of people things working against Milwaukee. Probably the wrong day to say that, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, just, the, only
3: thing, the only thing that would have made it like even more of like what is like if the game started at noon and oh yeah like, yeah this is this is gonna be weird. that might have been
2: one too many that might have turned into the four horsemen of the apocalypse then see it and I yes. got I got my references there we yeah. <laughs> uh moving on <laughs> drew holiday also struggled from the field he managed to turn it around score a bunch in the fourth quarter mr fourth quarter as i've dubbed him but interesting performance ends with 15 points on 16 shots only made one of four from deep chris like him and chris made the same amount of threes and Giannis all made one three who was the only player to make more than one three bobby and Wes. Bobby? yeah bobby and Wes. Mm. Interesting, but Drew Holiday, I did not feel like it was a super super impactful game from Drew Holiday on either end.
3: Um, I don't, I, I would agree with you offensively. I mean, again, you know, he's an NBA champion, he's an Olympic gold medalist, but we know how the some of the playoff games were last year, where it's like Drew's five for 23, but the three of those five came at, like, you know, fourth quarter or overtime, like that game seven against the Mets or whatever the status was. Again, I think he only had six points to the first three quarters. Kind of, he wasn't being as decisive with the ball. And, again, I think Chris's turnovers kind of overshadowed, like, Drew's kind of misreads and, you know, making kind of like, oh, you really want to take a three- Ten feet out from the arc, when you know you're not really feeling it, kind of like it just didn't. It, he kind of made the same like, okay, like, are you, you really know, doing this right now? <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. But at the other end, I mean, he's guarding Zach Levine, Demar Derozan heavily throughout the game, and it's not like he's like locking him down because you know Demar Derozan is going to get shots off anyway. But he was not making a lot of them, and I think. As time wore on, you saw the Bucks start to pick up, you know, off in, inbounds passes. Obviously, that starts with Jabon Carter, because that's it is DNA to quote Bucks DNA. Um, but Drew Holiday started kind of like that's where it I, I feel like those little things that kind of occur late in the game, we are so to. it's like, oh yeah, you're you're picking them up. But like it did feel like the Bulls, like, even though they were not they were not good offensively. They were not good to... I had to repeat this endlessly. They were not good offensively at all. Um, but I felt like the Bucks, as that fourth quarter wore on, that they really kind of constricted them and kind of felt or made them rush into offense late in, sh- in the shot clock. That you know that they they did want to do, and I thought Drew took that baton and really you know carried it as. He eventually found his offense and started hitting shots and started kind of getting the line and stuff like that. So, yeah, I would say probably like a B minus game, but defense would probably be a higher you know, grade. Yeah, for sure.
2: Speaking of the fourth quarter, by the way, Drew was three of six, one of two, made his three in the fourth quarter. Big nine thing. points. Just uh, just great performance from Drew in the fourth Closed it out as usual. Even with Giannis sort of uh, coming in and out of foul with foul trouble, Drew was the one who was uh, picking up the load, initiating a lot of the offense, finishing at times. To just, add, I don't know what's happened to him this season, but he is. Did Chris transfer his like powers to Drew Holiday
3: this year? It kind of feels like he did, didn't he? A little bit. It has. It's certainly gone on. I mean, you could think of the Heat game winner um, over Gabe Vincent, or just. I don't know what it is. He just he kind of turns it on. Like it, you can kind of be like like a night like tonight is like perfect example of like yeah you cannot really find it the first three quarters or you're, you know you're spending so much time or and and an energy defensively that your offense is going to suffer because of that. And Drew just kind of finds a way. Like that's what makes him so in in a very smaller version like Giannis (laughs) when Giannis doesn't have it going on a certain night, which is again, a rare night, but like drew just kind of finds his groove in a very drew way. And it doesn't make a lot of sense. Not a lot of players could do that, but like that's when you become a player as great as him or even Chris, when he's having those struggles that can kind of get washed away. And it's like, yeah, you find, you found it at the right time. It just, you know, the the journey there wasn't as great as as you hoped it would be. (laughs) Yeah,
2: it's all, it's the the ends justify the means in this situation, would you say? (laughs) But no, I agree. It was just, he he finds a way to get himself going. And I think that comes with a lot of trust in this system and year two in the system has really benefited from Drew Holiday and which is why you sort of see him being able to handle the ball more in these situations, get his shots in these situations because he has more trust with the team. The team has more trust in him because they've had a whole playoff run with him. They've had a whole year with him. That's, a, that's why I feel better about Grayson next year, by the way. <clears throat> but yeah. that's a, I think that's a good way to talk about uh, the role players in this game for Milwaukee. And we have to start off with the big man himself, Brooke Lopez, because my goodness, dominance. Dominance perform, dominant performance, I should say. Uh, ends with eighteen points, seven of fourteen shooting. Only went one of five from distance. Five rebounds, but just just he felt powerful in this game, wouldn't you say?
3: Yes, it was very fitting that the game started with Brook just feasting on all the types of baskets that he had been feasting on against the Bulls throughout the season, which was the last like two months. Um, and it was fitting that he closed it out and the Way he did, I know he only had two blocks, but uh, the weight of those blocks felt like eight. Um, that one on Zach, you had, a, you
2: had a lot of stops at the rim too that weren't counted yes. as blocks, yeah, which is the just the of, story of Brook Lopez's defense,
3: exactly. The kind of Brooke like just altering shots and just like how can you get the angle that you're recovering from and all that stuff. Like, he would just went Like, I, there were some parts where it was like, okay, Vooch is kind of like. You know, getting it wasn't just getting shots off, but he was kind of playing with Brooks' kind of rhythm defensively, especially. And it was like, Oh, that's we haven't seen that a lot with Brook and Vooch before. And it was like, Oh, it's not a big problem, Brook. Like, I think I thought this kind of maybe dovetails into one of my bigger questions about it, but a lot of the Bucks' problems tonight and the passes that kind of bothered me is that it would all be solved by the fact that you have seven foot Giannis Antetokounmpo and you have seven foot one or seven foot two Brooke Lopez, who, Vooch is a big guy. Uh, Tristan Thompson's, he's a big, but he's not like physically imposing.
2: Okay. But before you continue, can we talk about the, you weren't watching the the TNT broadcast. No. But every time Tristan Thompson was on the floor, they kept saying that the Bulls are going small. That's not going small. That's not if, going small. If Tristan Thompson is on the floor, that's not a small lineup because he is. A, what is he going to do in a small lineup? Space? What, like, he, he, the, we there's video of him bricking hook shot after hook shot. And you think this guy's like a, a floor spacing threat? You think this guy's a linchpin to a small lineup? Come on, it's Tristan Thompson. It is the year twenty twenty two.
3: What are we doing here? Sorry, continue. <laughs> I was waiting for a Rohan outburst, and I, I had a feeling Tristan Thompson would be um on it. It's funny that you mentioned that about, like, Space City 4, because Marcus kind of had a subtle dig about Tristan Thompson. He's like, oh! He, like, floated up one of his shots and didn't go in. Um, And Marcus is like, oh, that, that shot looks a lot different than what we're, we're used to when he's warming up in the, the game. It's like, ooh! That's... that. I felt that one, Marcus. Um, But yeah, like, I I don't know what that was. I can't. I don't even know who the announcing crew was for TNT tonight. So I. It
2: was I and Eagle, and I forget the other one. Was it Stan? No, it wasn't. I took a Kwumpo?
3: Um No, I uh, to to my point though of like, it just felt like a lot of the Bucks problems would have just been solved with like, let's pull it. Let's just run lobs just throw it up in the rim and have I mean I'm this is me simplifying the NBA offense this is why I'm not a, a an NBA head coach but it, it it just was like you have Giannis you have Brooke who are just getting what they want at or you know near the rim and it just kind of like use your size use your athleticism and vertical uh explosion obviously more so in Giannis's case and it was just like I thought like they, the Bulls really clamped down on, you know, the kind of dunker spot off ball movement that the Bucks really have excelled at in the last couple of years. Um, maybe not yeah, subtle, um, plot line, Josh Longstaff, the former Bucks assistant coach yeah. kind of knows what Bud wants to do and stuff like that. Like, that's not an insignificant note. And, in, uh, in a series like this, um, but that kind of neutralized Brooke and it forced him to play out in the corner, played more three-point Brooke, which yeah, it helps with spacing and stuff like that. But also, I mean, we've seen it before. I don't think that, I don't think that's always the best use of Brooke in some cases, depending on the lineup versus, you know, you're know, you throwing out there. And it just kind of, you know, it doesn't, it, it, it solves the the structure element, but it doesn't necessarily elevate the people that are putting the structure together if that analogy makes sense so when Brooke kind of comes in at you know a very opportune time and the, when the bucks need it most um he's just again feces on the rim throwing out these junk shots and it's hitting down for an at one and Pfizer looks like it's going crazy and it's like he just solves a lot of problems that the bucks you know had throughout the year obviously and just you you start to see what they miss. And then now that he's playing as good as he has been and just playing like vintage Brooke, like a night, like tonight, it it's not like, it's that crazy because this is how he's been here for four years and we've seen greater performances and stuff like that. But like the, the moment of the weight of what the bucks are going through for a lot of the second half, it was just like, Oh, this is what Brooke solves. This is what Brooke brings. And it just like, it just, fits like a snug glove
2: i thought it was fitting that one of the game icing shots was a, a brook lopez and one uh to mm-hmm. really increase the lead at the end and like you mentioned they opened the scoring with them uh to your point on lobs uh i do, i agree with that i think that would that would help a lot just vertical spacing especially against a guy like vooch uh and tristan thompson who's not a big apparently uh but <laughs> crit, like who, who's throwing the passes like, I don't yeah. want Chris, I don't want Chris Middleton to throw those passes. If it's a Bobby,
3: <laughs> or no, I'm joking, I'm joking.
2: But yeah. Bobby, <laughs> and Brooke Lobs, that would just, Adam would, Adam would never recover.
3: Yeah. No, it would, Adam also, side note, but Adam was like, I don't know if the Bucks can win a rock fight through this playoff run. Well, we got it. We got no. it out of the way. First game. <laughs> they can still do it.
2: They can definitely still do it. It helps that the Bulls shot themselves in the foot repeatedly and then yes. cut off their own foot and then just use their other foot and like tied it behind their back
3: and then so, manage the, the, the plot of saw yes that, that was yes. yes
2: yes
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed
1: you won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: You want to know a fun story? It's not a fun story at all. This is completely unrelated. There was this one, like, so there were these guys, like, they were out, they were, like, drunk and stuff. And they were having like a, a manly competition to see who could tolerate the most pain. One guy used a chainsaw, cut off his own foot. And it was like, oh yeah, beat that. Another guy chopped his own head off.
3: It's, I'm just going to let that sit for a minute. So I guess that would be a weird way to describe game one of Bucks <laughs> Bulls it was it's a perfect analogy I it felt like especially i know we're kind of getting off on tangents but like it was so apparent like the fourth quarter where i think Giannis is like officially in foul trouble and it's like who wants to win this game does anybody want to does does alex caruso whose headband fits in a very it, it looks really weird i think I he just has an odd head he has a very odd head but I think it's also, it's a black headband, so it kind of just like, and he's very, just like a white uh, <laughs> epidermis. It just, it looks really weird. Anyway, there was like, okay, DeMar DeRozan, you're putting up DeMar DeRozan shots, and it's not going down. Zach Levine, you're doing whatever year it is, you're doing. Bustovich, the moment that he bricked that layup late, and I was like, that's Twice. why... Twice, Twice. <laughs> yes. Good, good point. It, it was you needed as many bricks at the rim as you give up first round picks as the ma- or the Bulls did <laughs> to get them from the Magic. Um, that's why you get Nikola Vucevic right there. Uh, yeah, it was just like I just felt like at, at a certain point I was like, does anybody want to win this game? And again, we're back to Bucks playoff basketball.
2: We really are. I think in this in that analogy, the Bucks. By the guy who chopped off the foot, the bulls yes. chopped their own head off. See, yeah, it, it ties in. It's not just Being red, red.
3: That that's the bull slogan. There's obviously a lot of bloodshed right there in that yes. scenario. <laughs>
2: uh, that's gonna people are gonna love that one. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's talk about the bulls. We've we've talked a lot about how they sort of uh, oh
3: they, they beat Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Can I make one mention of, of course. A player? Bobby Portis Yes. Bobby, I know not a very like kind of glamorous stat line, even in the game that you know individual stat lines don't look all that great. But 10 points, 12 rebounds, three offensive rebounds, didn't have the greatest shooting at three of eight, but two of five from three. And they the Bucks needed every one of those threes, obviously, when they go 10 for 38. <laughs> um, but you mentioned that run late in the third, and Giannis's you know, he lays the foundation down for kind of, you know, resuscitating that game and not letting it slip away further from the Bucks' hands. But I just thought Bobby kind of read the game really well. Like he, yeah, he didn't finish all that well, but like it's the energy on the boards. It's he made really subtle, like great defensive reads when they're switching and kind of like got his hands into passing lanes and it's stuff that you wouldn't necessarily necessarily associate with Bobby Portis. in a lot of ways but like it's stuff like that the kind of you know it's going to be an open case about like how well does Bobby play and how much can the Bucks lean on him this playoff run which I know Adam has probably different thoughts than any you know of you Ty and I about it at this point but like that made it really encouraging for me to see him like DeMar DeRozan he switches on a guy like DeMar DeRozan and kind of really knew what to do and kind of knew his little like kind of lull you to sleep and his rhythms and stuff like that. But frankly, last year when he's going up against Chris Paul, again, one of the greatest point guards and basketball players to ever play in the NBA, he just looked like he was, you know, didn't have a clue. And this year it's like you're going up against a guy who's a professional scorer like DeMar DeRozan and knows how to, you know, work his way around opposing bigs like that who are slow-footed and he really held his own and just kind of I don't know I I was really impressed by his game and again it's not gonna wow you but he will also the bucks were a pl- minus one okay it doesn't really help my case in that point but um, but
2: it's it's a run even he was also a part of that third quarter collapse like early in the quarter yes. so that minus one is actually pretty
3: strong yeah yeah that's that's a good point there too But yeah, I I felt like he, I mean, he's the only one that, yeah, only reserve that was in double figures, obviously. And the Bucks, again, they needed every point that they could get from a guy like Bobby and uh, obviously threes too that he hit. But just thought a very strong game for him in, in, in ways that we don't really talk about with Bobby.
2: Yeah, his reads are fantastic. He had two assists, but they were two beauties of an assist. One back cut, Drew Holiday feeds him for a one-handed dunk. And I believe another one was a kick out to a three, I believe, off of a face. That might
3: have been to Brooke or either, it might have been to Wes. One of the two. Yeah.
2: But he, it was one of those situations where it's like, oh, Bobby's going to take the shot here. And it's like, no, he's actually passing out to a wide open three. So your point stands about like, he just read the game so well. I'm glad you brought him up. I guess we're going to stay with the Bucks here. Wes Matthews, strong performance. I know Adam in our chat said he wanted him to play more in this game. He logs, what is he log, 27 minutes of just shade under 27 minutes. Two or three from the field, which is from deep. It's Wes Matthews. Five rebounds, one assist. I thought he was fine. He got the primary DeMar DeRozan assignment early on. He got into like a bit of foul trouble. Uh, yes. What did he get? He only had two fouls, but was were both early. So they kind of shifted away from that a little bit. But I thought he did a pretty good job holding up. He did not make any mistakes, really, on either end of the floor. So I thought it was a strong performance from Wes Matthews.
3: Yeah. The ways that you kind of recognize Wes is if he's hitting shots not fouling, which he dabbled in, and obviously it was more of like the shooting fouls, too. Like, he wasn't necessarily in foul trouble, but Demar's going in line for both of those fouls.
2: Yes. Um,
3: And Outside of that, like, I, again, very solid performance, kind of what you'd expect and hope for, but, you know, certainly unsung and that kind of describes West to a T.
2: Yeah, it was perfect. And I guess Grayson Allen, sort of a eh, performance. He just wasn't involved as much offensively. And he was part of the unit in the third quarter where they were just bleeding points. That's, a, that's one thing. It was him and Bobby Portis on the court at the same time where he's sort of like, oh, is, this, is this really a tenable lineup here? And it was not. It was not tenable. <laughs> they were like, Giannis, please save us. Giannis <laughs> saved. Uh, and it works out. <laughs> that's what you can do when you have the best player in the world. But uh, the Chicago Bulls, I don't even know where to start. Nikola Vucevic took 27 shots today. 27 shots. That's ridiculous. Why, Jordan, can you explain to me why the entire team was running through Vucic?
3: Um, They were certainly working that, I mean, as we talked about on the preview pod, uh, the Bulls are not a strong three-point shooting team in terms of volume. Nikola Vucic is kind of the one that's pushing that higher than where it would be normally. Um, And how many threes did he shoot? Ten. Yeah, Yeah, he had ten. Um, he hit a big one, I think that gave the bu- one of the his Bulls two. A lead. One of his two. Um, yeah, just a lot of Vucevic. A lot a of lot. It was a lot. And it was oh, he was the featured
2: offensive player. It's not a situation. He had more shots than DeMar. Yes, exactly. He because it's not like they were just like he, he wasn't finding shots in the rhythm of the game. They were setting him up to be yes. the guy that takes shots. And I'm like. What exactly are we doing here if we're the Chicago Bulls? Like, I get you want to exploit, like, the the three-point uh, prowess, prowess in quotes of Nikola Busevich uh, with just running pick and pops so you can stretch out Brooke Lopez. Sure, I get that. I understand that. That was one of my keys for the Bulls if they wanted to have a chance to win this series. But just why is he posting up not, every
3: five possessions? Uh, that was like, that was, Yeah. Just any kind of, like, I know, like, you kind of get, if you're a Bulls fan, you're kind of looking at small victories. This game was closer than anybody imagined, especially how it started. Um, And it just felt like, I don't know. It just felt, also, the two-shot disparity between DeMar DeRozan and Vucevic could be explained by him missing those two final shots uh, at the rim, which is just kind of. perfect
2: it's poetic (laughs) justice
3: poetic justice but it was just it's just like yeah it's a part a big part of your game plan but as we talked about in the preview pod like he's not he's as good as he's looked against the Bucks in that you know bubble uh, first round series he's not equipped to shoot 10 times from three or you know largely be outside or kind of like outside inside kind of game that's not Vucevic. That's how this what man
2: traveled him. on a jumper because Javon Carter scared him. And this is the guy yeah. taking the most shots on your team.
3: There, it was just a weird. That was another. That was a weird <laughs> moment. And his moving. He had a couple of moving screens. Like I know that's when it was like getting really tight of like the game, but like how they're calling it. And it was just like he seems like a hard player to read because I literally don't know anything about Nikola Vucevic outside the, of the fact that he plays basketball and has played basketball for a long time but he just seems like a weird guy to like a hard guy to read and he he didn't really seem fired up or like pissed off and any other like if it was going well or bad or whatever the case may be and it was just like what is going on like he's he is is...
2: the Tim Duncan of our era
3: yes he is yeah <laughs> again that's why you get. you that's why you give up two first-round picks for nicholas and wendell give, carter jr <laughs> and wendell carter and one other rookie or young player that I they forgot had already yeah i forgot yeah just bizarre kind of very bizarre yeah so i don't
2: know if that's gonna happen it, it might happen again i think it two. is is I this the, really their gameplay
3: well because they know that the bucks are willing to live with it and they think that Vucevic is going to have a better shooting there, which, hey, very well can happen. You're
2: asking Vucevic to be the best player on the court on a like when you're playing a team with, that has Giannis.
3: Yeah. Yes, you are.
2: <laughs> I don't go know. go off, I guess.
3: Uh, yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> have fun. <laughs> good, good luck to you, uh, Demar Derozan. Uh, Six of twenty-five from the field. That's a yikes. Uh, I know our, our friend Jason Pat, who did a preview pod with Ty, was tweeting that this was by far DeMar's worst game of the season. And it's just a bad time to show. Gets back to our analogy Bulls cut their head off, uh, their own heads <laughs> off. Despite just,
3: their face. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I thought early on, I thought it was going to be a classic DeMar Grift game, but uh, he only went to the, the free throw line six times, which just which, feels wrong. Yeah. But I think that gets back to Tony Brothers. In the sense that they weren't really, uh, not, I shouldn't call it just Tony Brothers, but just the flow of the game, in the sense that they, they didn't like, they weren't biting on the griffs as much in the second half. Like, if you were actively foul hunting, sure, we'll give it to you in the first quarter, second quarter. Once the game tightens up, we're not going to give it to you. And that's when DeMar's game sort of floundered. And uh, I hate bagging on DeMar. I like DeMar. I think he's a great yeah. player. But this is the playoff story with DeMar DeRozan every single year.
3: Yes. Yeah, even I think we talked about on our preview pod, not to keep referring to that, but like it was by far his worst shooting performance of the season. The the, his worst of the regular season was four for 13, so 30.8% in the field. He was 24%. Yeah, 24% even. Um, Again, you mentioned it. Didn't really go to the free throw line, even though it kind of felt like it was like, okay, DeMar's kind of he's. Uh, I was going to make a chainsaw analogy again but he's hacking and trying to make his way to the free throw line every way he can and they shut it down um, and I don't think that that doesn't only explain why he was missing because he he just was missing, he just was ice cold what was his second half efficiency I think he was like 1 for 15 and two, for
2: some, two, 2 for, for 13 2 for 13
3: which is like he was missing DeMar DeRozan's shots and, again, like, I don't, like, I, I hate to kind of, like, fall back on these, like, well, it's the playoffs and DeMar DeRozan always kind of, like, struggles, but when you see a game, like, tonight, and he just doesn't have it, and it's like, I've seen this story before, and it looks like this. And it's like it sucks. It sucks. And like I'm not a Bulls fan, and I, I'm pretty sure a lot of the people that are listening to me talk about this right now, they're like, "Why would we feel bad for DeMar DeRozan?" I feel great.
2: bad for DeMar, man. But
3: when you see a guy like he's so good at what he does, and it just can, it's like watching Eric Bledsoe. It's like Eric Bledsoe is a good basketball player. He I think you're still talking to the wrong
2: audience.
3: <laughs> I know, I know. But I'm just saying, like, it just it it is just very like. at a certain point you're just like oh he just he cannot hit anything he can't even hit rib there was some shots just like he's just like yeah he was missing it completely and uh yeah i i that's one where i could say like okay vucevic might have a better shooting night he surely might not shoot as much as he did DeMar's gonna shoot as much as he did tonight and i wouldn't be surprised if he has another game like that that's That's kind of where I'm at with the series. And the
2: thing is, even if he does have a good shooting game, it's not going to matter because if he has a good shooting game, he's going to be taking more shots. The Bucs are fine with that. The Bucs are fine with him taking contested mid-rangers all night long. They'll they'll, they'll send DeMar DeRozan a thank you note in the mail.
3: That was like part of where, you know, it's super tense. My heart rate's up. I could feel it like, You know, just getting that... like You're kind of grumbling under your breath of like, why aren't they winning? That kind of thing, you know? And then I'm just like, the, the Bulls going the the other end of the floor and it's... They think they're going to win going two by two by two. And if they kick it out to the corner, it's Patrick Williams shooting a three. Or it's Derek Jones shooting a three. Oh my and-
2: god, Derek Jones cannot... If he should... Like the coaching staff he probably doesn't want to shoot another basketball again in his life only that, Brooke, that had, a, was,
3: only Brooke had a like a rougher three point shooting look from that corner from a corner like where it hit like off the backboard, yeah, like, the side of the backboard, and you're like, oh, but like you're kind of when you shoot as many shots as Brooke does from three, you kind of live with it, but it's those guys that like all they do is corner threes and you don't hit the broad side of a bar and it's like oh. You don't hit anything. <laughs> you don't hit anything. It's like dare. He's he's flight mode. Oh, that ball took a lot of flight or whatever. I don't know what his nickname is. I clearly, flight, just yeah, I think it. you're right. I think you're right. <laughs> Airplane mode. That's what sort it of, is. Oh, that's it. Is, yeah. Damn it.
2: <laughs> it was. Yeah, I, I can't think of it one right off the spot. But uh, one one player who I thought had the strongest performance from the Bulls was probably Alex Caruso. He was a defensive menace. And a lot of Chris Middleton's struggles can probably be attributed to Alex Caruso and Chris Middleton. So, I, Aggie think, I think Aggie crime. <laughs> 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 um, I thought Caruso had a great performance. He was just in every passing lane. He was getting deflections. He was just bothering guys on defense. He was drawing offensive fouls. He 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 had a great performance. He even hit a three. Good for him. Yes, he did um the other guy on the bulls I guess we, is really worth mentioning is probably Zach Levine we should talk about Zach Levine yes we, we talked about him up top a bit but just then he looks hampered that knee injury just sucks so much for him and you can tell uh six of 19 from the field just didn't have it he was forcing up shots a lot of like a lot of his threes were sort of at the end in desperation time so I'm not going to hold that against him but it just felt like a game where he couldn't find any semblance of rhythm. The Bucs did a really good job of holding him out of transition. Uh, mm-hmm. You mentioned that Chris Middleton charge earlier. They, they did a good job of walling him off, barriering him off in, the, in, in, in fast break situations. So I, I don't know where Zach really goes from here either. I guess he can shoot better, but he's not going to get into a rhythm.
3: Certainly not against either Wes or Drew. Too. it's
2: drew 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 the probably yeah. uh, primary assignment on it so yes. you're not going to get a ton on it
3: no um yeah he had that again um it wasn't just Giannis hampered by foul trouble he had he picked up a his third foul late in the first half and it was just really stupid like he pushed Giannis like as they're kind of like not really in position but they're close to the rim and you know just in case, and it was just like, why? You know, especially when you watch how the game kind of unfolded and uh, it's you're kind of going down those margins. And something stupid like that, like that really kind of came back and hurt the bulls and just kind of, I don't know. It just, I, I wouldn't be, I, I don't know like how to like really describe his performance other than just kind of like, ugh. and to your point, like he is, Clearly hampered by his knee injury, um, missed the last Bucks game against the Bulls like that yep. like last week too. Like he just doesn't look like himself. But I also just thought like he didn't really. And for as much as like oh he had some big threes towards the end of the game as you mentioned and stuff like that, it was just like what is that going to look like when or you know if Demar turns it on or Fuchs has a better shooting night and doesn't shoot the ball as much as as he does like. The, the Bulls' big three got a lot of opportunities and looks and had plenty, plenty of opportunity to steal away for this game from the Bucks. And again, we kind of keyed in on Zach Levine going into this series about like, he's never played a playoff game before. What does he look like in a playoff setting? And kind of what I expected. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, not that much of a surprise. Um, yeah, just kind of. Very first playoff like game for a guy that is a good player, but not a great player.
2: For sure, we're we're starting to get some post game quotes as well. Uh, we've got uh, we've got one from Demar. Uh, no way in hell I shoot six for twenty five again. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see about that one, Demar. <laughs> <Thoughts? sighs>
3: yeah, I wouldn't want to put. I, I don't know. I don't want to I put really, that energy I mean, out of interested- the world. It- it would be interesting going back in his playoff like resume and his game logs and see if like I remember a lot of those Raptors games and he shot nearly as bad as he probably did tonight, if not worse. It's not great.
2: It's not. I feel so bad. Maybe I think I think we're just too soft, Jordan. I think we we have we have two big hearts to to really to really yes. hit ha- to, to be mean to the Bulls.
3: So we feel bad. What do you? Okay, so. I'll turn it on you because okay. I feel like I'm I, you're hosting and I'm you know giving my opinion. I want to turn it on you. How do the bu- the bulls what do, what do they need to do to at least even up this series in game two? and more importantly, do they have an offense that can beat the bucks?
2: See I was going to ask you that so uh, <laughs> I actually have a, I have a <laughs> semblance of what I want to say here. Uh, the quick answer is no. They don't really. This is, this is an offense where if the Bulls really have their offense going, it's like what I mentioned earlier. You're just hitting contested mid-rangers and the Bucs are like, okay, cool, live with that. Because the Bucks, they're going to live with Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan taking contested mid-rangers. And they're going to live with Alex Caruso, Patrick Williams, and uh, I don't know, Derek Jones Jr. taking threes, taking corner threes. They're going to live with that. That's what they're going to be designed to give up. And if you're the Chicago Bulls, you're entirely reliant on actually making those things happen, which doesn't seem very likely to really happen at all, based on what we've seen all season and especially based on what we saw game one. Because the, the crux of this Bulls team is Demar and Zach just absolutely eating. If they can't eat, they're finished. Do you think Vooch is going to put up 24 points again? He might, but he might need 37 shots to get there. You're going to live with that if you're Milwaukee. I, I don't, I don't really see a path to the Bulls having a sustainable offense. The only reason the Bulls were in this game is because Milwaukee just, they, they, they boxed, they, they went full bucks So that's, yes. that's okay. That's another path to, to success. Bucks going full bucks.
3: Yes. Cause I mean, you see the Bucks go 10 for 38 from three and we, you know, it's, it, that's a deja vu experience. It, it wouldn't be a Bucks playoff game if they weren't regressing to the mean from three. Yeah, you know I mean, like e- even a guy like Pac Onton, who really found his way uh during last year's playoff run, he couldn't really hit anything Grayson Allen was. one for six. From one distance. for six, yeah. He he just I don't know if he had a lot of good looks too. It wasn't like he was you know rushing things or close just like there was a lot of wide open shots, and again, that kind of happens with playoff performances as we are very accustomed to but it just feels like it hits the bucks in a in a very larger sense but when you have a a buck you can at least like rely on Chris or Drew turning on the fourth or Giannis when he's not in foul trouble getting to the line and and or hitting some tough fadeaway shots or whatever the case may be to your point when you don't have DeMar DeRozan or Zach Levine. First of all, not leading the team in shots and looks and stuff like that. Like you're already kind of operating with one hand behind your back. But also, like their starting lineup. Like I, I agree with you. I thought Caruso, he had a good game. But it was also like, yeah, you look around, and it's like, well, who else had a good game? That kind of thing. If that makes sense. If they're just asking a lot of like him and Patrick Williams to be the defensive guys, because like again, when their offense is just not. Their offense, but first of all, might not be playoff oriented because you know their best players aren't playing as well as they had played during the regular season. You're kind of up crap creek, <laughs> to put it in a family friendly terms. Um, but like, I just think like a guy like Kobe White, like he kind of found his way in, a, in when the the Bulls were turning the game in third quarter. And I'm not saying Kobe White is the Bulls' godsend this series. He also
2: got blocked by Grayson Allen. He got blocked by
3: Grayson Allen, which is definitely the best play that Grayson had all the game. But, like, he at least, like, provides, like, some instant offense that they just desperately need. They need a little bit of, like, not – he just is is a different dimension in the fact that he's just, like, crazy lightning fast and just kind of run the floor really well and can kind of drive and doesn't – he's not afraid to kind of – get where you know it's very shrouded by seven foot figures who are uh defending the rib and stuff like that like he kind of feels like he knows what he's doing uh offen- at least offensively and it's just like i i don't know i kind of i again i think that they're going to play better and shoot the ball better you not you can't shoot worse <laughs> um but like i wouldn't be surprised if like billy donovan kind of if it's like game three and they're down 3-0 or what, or the series goes back to, to Chicago and they're down 2-0, does he look at like a starting lineup change? Cause like, it doesn't look pretty. Uh, and that's the least I could say about it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it definitely, it definitely does not look pretty. Uh, flipping, flipping the table, turning the tables. That's the, that's the expression. Uh, <laughs> for Milwaukee game two, what do we really want to see here personally i want to see more chris middleton i want to see him get involved right away so we can find a rhythm right away that's what i want to see um i think that's the biggest biggest key really for milwaukee like you're not gonna pat content's probably not going to shoot one of six from three again you're not going to shoot 10 of 38 as a team again knock on wood knock on wood
3: (laughs) maybe not this serious but maybe later playoffs maybe
2: it'll happen at some point (laughs) it will happen again. it's guaranteed we know (laughs) but i just i need to see chris get it going early for me what about you
3: yeah um agree aggressive chris middleton that will just make things breathe easier um and just kind of aggressive aggressive in the sense of like he knows what the bucks need at the times that they need it that kind of if that makes sense I mean, the fact that I, I think uh, to add to that, uh, clean it up, 21 turnovers to 19 assists, that is not good, not good at all. And again, a lot of it does come down to the Bulls, at least, like, you know, whether it's just having Josh Longstaff on the, um, their coaching staff or just playing the Bucks as much as they have recently, they know what the Bucks want to do. And, um, knowing those little kind of things that you don't know unless if you have someone that was on staff. Again, I'm just going to like key in on that because it it does kind of feel like a big thing after watching a game like this. But a lot of it was just it, it wasn't just like the pocket pass and stuff like that. It was like they're running transition and there's two guys like filling down the middle of the lane and it was just like no one knows to get the ball to it. And, oh, it's going out out of bounds or you're just kind of misfiring. Like the, the, the overall passes outside of the first quarter, just kind of like it wasn't hitting shooting pockets. It wasn't really hitting people, <laughs> people that you want to have the ball or anything like that. Like that's where I, I think like, you know, the Bulls can hang their hat on mucking up that way. Um, they may not have the, the horses or the offense to kind of really test the bucks um, in a lot of ways, but I, again, to your point like the the bucks gave the bulls more than they could chew and they still lost by 7 in a game that the bucks played very terribly for very three bad. quarters. Yes.
2: Yeah. I think I think to, to simplify this a lot do the first quarter thing twice this time. Maybe yeah. not just, We're not I'm not, asking... I'm, I'm not asking for a lot here. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> we're, we're not asking for a perfect game. This isn't, you know, Clayton Kershaw and it's the seventh inning, or the eighth day We're gonna pull. them. I mean, even yeah. then, like that's good. Seven out of nine innings, you got perfect. That's that's good. That's more than two thirds. Yeah. We're asking for two quarters, and that's probably Shout out to gonna win you a for game. for a Bruisin'. Exactly. <laughs> that's probably gonna win you the game if you get if you win two quarters pretty handily. Let's yeah. Let's say
2: first. Let's say third. Just do that. You're golden.
3: Yeah, third quarter, especially the third quarter we don't need to see okay maybe fourth, first and second quarter <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to see the, another third quarter of like oh the bulls fans are really loud now or they're hitting threes. is like oh this feels awful yeah what do you what do you think of the bulls fans i'm not surprised I, I th- again this is going to come to territory when uh the cities are what 95 miles away from each other something, or something like that something like that like I, I don't know, like I kind of go back and forth because you just want to see Bucks fans and stuff like that, but like it forces you to be on your feet and be on your game. And when the Bucks need, you know, this it it there's no science to this. This is just like the you know your home court advantage and all that stuff. Like you kind of need that. And whether it's Bulls fans counting down Giannis and misremembering that oh yeah they counted him down last year and look what that happened or look what happened to that. Um, I I don't know. Like I think I would rather see Bucks fans and you know having the time of their lives and doing stuff like that. But I do think like I I'm not again I'm just not surprised at like what it looks like and what it's so- more so sounds like. Yeah,
2: the, all the Bucks fans were in the Deer District all access with their NFTs.
3: That's that's true.
2: Yeah, that <laughs> didn't work out so well for them, did it?
3: <laughs> no, not not that it looked like. <laughs> nope.
2: <laughs> Good job. Good job, Bucks. Way to
3: wait way to way to
2: solve all the problems with NFTs. Great, great job. Uh that's all around. Right. I'm gonna stop talking. Uh did we is there anything else we need to hit about this game, or about this series going forward? Um we've got our chainsaw movie references, we've got our story references, uh, we've got actual basketball analysis. I don't know what else you could ask for.
3: It's it's gonna be an interesting couple of days. I, the Bucks have a lot to clean up. Yeah, they won the game. Um, but yeah, we touched on a lot of it, and just like it was it was a bigger test than anyone could have imagined, and they passed it. But it was, you know, you got a seventy on the test, and you're coming back after school and talking to the teacher like, "Can I re- take a retest?" <laughs> that kind of <laughs> that kind of test.
2: Is there uh is this the closest game of the series? Do you think?
3: That was actually another question I forgot that I wanted to ask, and you asked it. Um I see this game was close in the fact that again, I was openly wondering does anybody want to win this game? So there might be closer games and that they're gonna be a little bit more competitive, like people are hitting shots. Like that's where we we went through this last year, and it's like that game three against the Nets that mentally broke you at one point, or like, yep. did I? I don't. I was prepping to say this on the pod, but uh, I don't know if I actually mentioned this on the pod. But like, we talk about Game Six and Yana scoring fifty, and it's like that is like that is our moment as Bucks fans for waiting fifty years to win a title. They also committed eighteen turnovers. And the game was really bad. It like it may, again. It was not a great game. No to one honest. could score in that game for the first like five minutes. Exactly. Yeah. The but again, actually, very interesting parallels because the Bucks went up crazy big and they they started losing the second quarter. It's like they're going to squander their you know this game and all this stuff. And it was kind of like that. There's a lot more free throws on the Bucks, um, more so Giannis. Um, but it was kind of like that parallel of like you felt like it was in the bag early and no, the bag was a bigger bag or like, it was like a present that just kind of like rimmed out and then went out. of the bag. I had to stop using analogies. It's too late to use analogies. Um, but again, I, I, I do think we, t- we kind of like to my larger point of this is like, we kind of like hold playoff basketball is like, this is the best it will be there. People are hitting shots and like, the 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 gravity of the situation is going to look we kind of pulled it up to this like picture of like it's amazing it's great it's just like this is how basketball should be played all the time and it's like you realize both teams had a combined um 32 turnover turnovers uh, 21 of which were the bucks. Like it it's not, it's not like this great game. It's like this is how basketball should be played. It's like, yeah, that looks like crap sometimes Like I don't want to watch this all the time. Basketball is just basketball. It's just like, you know, it's it, I don't know. I don't know what my point is with that, but it's just like you got I got thrust into that memory of like, oh yeah, it, playoff basketball can look like this sometimes. It yeah, doesn't it can look just, pretty.
2: It, it it can be the ugliest thing, but what matters is the victory. And the Bucks came out victorious in this game. I think that's a great way to wrap this up, unless you have anything else.
3: No, I think that's a great way to wrap it up, too. Well,
2: thank you for listening to this episode here on the Eurostep Podcast Network. If you did enjoy the show, make sure you leave a five-star rating on your podcast platform of choice. Subscribe on said podcast platform of choice. Subscribe to the YouTube. Subscribe to the Substack, gspn.substack.com. Make sure you follow all of us on Twitter. We're going to be bringing you content, like I said, up top, Post-game pod after every single game. We're going to have some pods interspersed in there, some writing interspersed in there. GSPN has you covered for the stretch run. Also, I should have mentioned this up top. I didn't. Jordan, we have merch. Merch. We have we merch. Have, we have merch. GSPNstore.com. Make sure you check that out. There's a promo going on. Jordan, what's the promo code?
3: Playoffs 22. Why playoffs 22? Well, it's the year twenty or 22-2. Why did I say it like that? <laughs> again, it's very late for me. I've been up for a while. Um, playoffs 2022. That's okay. This, this promo code is not going well. Promo code playoffs 22. That is our promo code. Do not listen to the last 30 seconds of me attempting to say this promo code.
2: Yeah, that'll give you 22% off, uh, it'll be great if you support us it's we got some great designs for all of the podcasts on there including cruising for a bruising make sure you go subscribe by the way it's a separate feed Uh, but yeah make sure you check that out uh stay tuned pod random and we will talk to you next time
4: whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance that's why i'm excited that unified healing is sponsoring podcasts on the blue wire network